Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, grab a seat, grab a seat. And howdy. Welcome to Grace College. If this is your first time, my name is Kevin Bear. I'm the college pastor here at our Southwood campus. So glad you are here this morning. Hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. So you can be flipping there as we're jumping in. I'm going to read a few verses for us, pray for us, and then we will jump in. 1 Samuel chapter 24, starting in verse 1. It says this. Now, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. That's, that's accurate. He went in. Um, that's what it means. Okay, now David and his men were sitting in the inner parts of the cave. And the men of David said, here is the day the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as what seems good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And thank you so much for this moment where we get to open your word and we get to look at a moment where David is dealing with authority. (laughs) And the truth is this, we've all been in moments in life where we feel like the authorities over us are unjust, uh, not listening to you, not following in the right direction. And and Lord, in this moment, we see in the life of Saul, a man who is, who is not following you, who is, who is chasing David, a, a man after your heart as his enemy. But, but Lord, we see a response in David that's very unique. So Lord, I pray that as we open up this word and as we study, as we look at the right response to authority, that you would open up our hearts, that you would help us to be men and women that respond well as we live under the authorities that you've set whether we like them or not. And by doing so, by living well under authority, we might shine a spotlight on you and what you are doing in the world. I lift up this time to you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had bad bosses. Anyone? Mm -hmm. I've had bad coaches. Anyone? I've had bad professors. Anyone? Okay. One or two. Um, I've had people in authority over me that I just disagree with. Anyone? Yeah. And and I and I would you know diagnose them as, as horrible human beings. Um, that's my my my. But that's how I feel. That may not be true, but that's how I feel. I'm like you are wrong when you're doing this. I remember when I was in college. Um, the I ran track in college, and the first coach that I had in college, um, he subsequently got fired. So surely I was right. But there was a moment when I just disagreed with them. I fundamentally disagreed with them. We ran a race, and we got back from the race the next week in practice. We all sat down in the locker room, and he says, everyone had a good race except for you. He pointed his finger at me, and I'm like, this is it. I'm done. 
And at that moment, freshman year, first semester, freshman year of college, I'm like, I don't have to put up with this. I don't want to be here. I'm exhausted. I'm giving my best. And this is the response that I get. This is how I feel. Have you ever been there? You feel like you're giving your absolute best. You're doing everything right. And it feels like you, what you're getting back is you are not you are not respected, you are not valued, and when you give your best, they look at you and go, and it's not even that good. Have you ever felt that way? That's how David feels in this moment. And let, let, me, just, let me just peel back the curtain, and it's okay. This is a safe place, safe place. Um, there are authorities you dislike. It may be your parents. You're like, Kevin, if you had a moment with my parents, you would realize how unreasonable they are, right? It may be your boss right now. It may be a professor you're dealing with in some sort of grade issue. It may be your landlord. They're like, oh, the way that they do things. I mean, I wish they would just not have rats all over my house. Like, I just, I just wish they would fix some things, right? Or maybe go all the way up the ladder to the president of the United States. You may have issues with them. And so all of us, all of us in moments will live under authority. And under that authority, we will come into conflict in moments where we go, I just fundamentally disagree with this person. I fundamentally disagree with what they're doing. And I feel like I have a right to speak my mind and set them straight, right? Have you been there? I hope this is going to hit you in a very, very practical way. If you haven't ever done that, you've been like, no, I submit easily to all authorities, as they give me assignments, they ask me to do unreasonable things, they make laws that I dislike. As, as across the board, you probably will be, if you haven't been already, in a moment when you fundamentally disagree with the people above you. What do you do in that moment? What is God's response to that? What's David's response to that? Well, to catch up to speed in the life of David, where David has been, one of our fellows, TJ Frank in the back, yeah, he uh, put together this little Google Earth travel of journey uh, through the nation of Israel and our couple of moments that we've hit. So this is uh, TJ Frank, people. Put this together for us from Google Earth. Uh, as soon as they press play, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wow you. It's going to wow you. So good. Okay, so this is the voiceover. Okay, just pretend there's music in the background. So we are flying. Okay, we lost it. We lost it. Oh, we, we had it, but we lost it. It's Okay. One, one more round. We got this. We got this. We got this. Go team. Just press play. Yes. Okay. We're flying. And as we're going um, across this area, you see where we first met David in the Valley of Elah. That is where he defeated Goliath. Huge moment. But then he, f- he went all the way to Jerusalem with King Saul. He got married to Saul's daughter. He spent time there in Jerusalem. But then he, things didn't go well with the, the king, and he fled all the way to Gath here to the side. And then from there to the cave of Adullam, and after Adullam uh, to Hebron, and when he was in Hebron, he went down to Horesh, was encouraged by Jonathan there. And in this moment, he has fled all the way to En Gedi, right next to the Dead Sea, Salt Sea. That's where we are in this moment. He's in a cave in the midst of En Gedi. That is where our hero is. Once again, TJ Frank, well done, well done, well done, well done. Google Earth will change your life. Okay. And what's so interesting in this moment is David has been on the run for things that were not his fault. He's been rejected by the king. He's been rejected by the leadership. And literally Saul at this point in his life is on a rampage. He's got 3,000 men chasing David down for the sole purpose of killing him. 
And if you've been following our hero, he's, he's really done nothing wrong. He's supported the king's leadership. He's supported Jonathan. He's loved by Jonathan. He's married the king's daughter. And, but all of that is taken away in a moment. And David is spending the next 10 years of his life on the run in the desert for doing nothing wrong. And he finds himself in this moment in a cave when he's going to meet Saul face to face. Now, here's what generally happens in life. When you encounter authorities you disagree with, when you encounter people that you do not like their perspective, you do not like where they're leading things, here's generally what happens. And this is what happens with me. The seeds of discontent grow this way. The first is step one. I see a flaw in leadership. Some sort of perceived flaw in leadership. It's, it's a policy we, we disagree with. It's a punishment that seems unfair. It's a grade dispute. It's a decision you disagree with, or it's just a personal hurt that this person has caused. Like, you perceive some flaw in leadership. And then you quickly move to step two, which is, I assume my perspective is right. The way that I see this situation is the right way. I mean, that was my friend who was hurt. That's my grades that are failing. That's my issue, right? We assume my perspective is right. And from that place, we take one of two roads. There's one of two roads at that point when, when I see a flaw, I assume I'm right, I can take one of two roads. The first road is this. You can ask clarifying questions. You can go to the leader and you can say, hey, I see that you're um, doing grades this way. I, I, I just wanted you to, I want to understand what your thought process is in that. Or I see that you've made this policy at work and you're trying to enforce it this way. I just want to understand um, what your thinking is behind that. And it's, 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 it's asking clarifying questions, not accusing questions. Accusing questions are like this. Why are you an idiot? Like, that's not helpful, right? But, but, but some of us could do that. Like, why were you so dumb when you, did this deci- you made this decision? Like, those are not clarifying questions. Those are accusing questions. Clarifying questions are, help me understand your process in this. So one is to ask clarifying questions. Help me understand this policy and your decision in this. Or you can do step the other road, where you sow seeds of discontent. I think most of us take this road. In fact, at most products that you buy, if you have a problem, a problem with the product, most people will not go to the manufacturer and ask clarifying questions. What will they do? They'll go tell 10 of their friends. And so we take this seed of discontent, and we bring a group around us because we all need moral support, right? And we go to these people around us and we say, do you see what they did? Do you see the decision that they made? Can you believe that they are leading in this way? Can you believe that they're making these decisions? I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe that my boss would do that. I can't believe what she said. All of those things are, are sowing seeds of discontent. And that's exactly the path that we see David take. Back in the, in the chapter, verse 1, We see that David has this same struggle with Saul. Verse 1, it says, Now Saul returned from following the Philistines, and he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. He is is trapped. He is ready for me to to go. Now, the the wilderness in uh, in this particular location, there's a lot of high cliffs. And David and his men, about 300 of them, are hiding in these cliffs. And in many ways, they're trapped. Saul brings 3,000 of his men, and literally he says, I'm going to try to kill him. They are trapped. There's no way out. I am going to kill David. This is a flaw in leadership. 
I'm going to go kill David. David, who has only been supporting me. David, who has done nothing wrong. This is the major flaw. David sees it, and you better believe the 300 men that have been running around the wilderness all of this time see it too. And the assumption is they're right. I'm wrong. This is wrong. Coming Coming after David, trying to take him down, that's absolutely wrong. We are right, we are justified in believing that this leader is illegitimate. This leader needs to be taken down. And then we move to step three. We've got two roads. We can ask clarifying questions, or we can sow seeds of discontent. And that's where we find David. And as Saul starts coming, he came to the sheepfolds by the way, And there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, the Bible is very comfortable with a realism. See, if you're on a murderous rampage, you can't continue that 24-7. At some point, you're going to have to stop, eat some food, get a snack, go potty, right? And that's what's happening in this moment. So he goes in, and it's, it's absolutely unreal. Of all the caves in this area... Of all the places he could land in, he happens to walk into the cave where 300 of, Saul's, of David's men are in the back of it. And so suddenly you see the shadow of Saul. You see 3,000 soldiers and the shadow of Saul come in. And you watch this man come in. They're in the deep recesses of the cave going, oh, great, we're going to die. And suddenly he turns around, drops trowel. And you're like, no way this just happened. This is a perfect moment. He is vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like this. But when you are in a moment like this, there is no more vulnerable spot. My wife and I have a pact. We do not talk to each other while we're in the bathroom. Like, we, we don't. Because I don't want to hear from her, and she doesn't need to hear from me. Right? Like, we have this deep-seated part of our marriage. We are not going to talk with each other in the bathroom because it's just too vulnerable. Right? In this moment, Saul is literally ripe for attack. And at that moment, his men speak in. They say, Look, we've seen his flaws. We know we are justified in what we are going to do. So here's the time to attack. Verse 3, or verse 4. David's men, men said to David, Here is the day of which the Lord said, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as seems good to you. And David arose and stealthily went over and cut the corner of the robe. See, this, when leadership is vulnerable, that's when it's easiest to take them down. When leadership is vulnerable. When they've made a bad decision. When things aren't going well. It's easy at that moment to get a crew of people around and go and attack them in that moment. And it's very easy. I'll tell you this. It is always to get people, it is always easy to get people on your side against leadership. It is always easy. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. I don't care what side of the grade situation you're on. It is so easy to get disgruntled people united together against a leader. It is very, very easy. And in this moment, they do what Chuck Swindoll calls the Lord's will incentive. Meaning, if I want to do something, and I see a problem, and I see an opportunity to take revenge, to set it right. Surely, the Lord is in this. Girls do this all the time, um, and guys. Um, hey, I would date you, but I just think God is telling me 
not to, right? Like, uh, you're sweet, but the Lord, right? And you're like, okay, okay, is that you or is that the Almighty whispered into your ear, stay away? You know, like, so what, what's, what's the Lord? You know, like, like, hey, I would take that job and I would work with you, but the Lord is telling me you're horrible. And I'm going to, I'm like, okay, is that you or is that something else? And I think oftentimes we can legitimize our steps when we feel like this is wrong and I will be right in enacting my revenge. And that's exactly what his men say. And then David sneaks up to Saul and cuts off a corner of his robe. He didn't kill him. He defaced his garment, right? He made a little rip in his t-shirt. Like, it's not a a big deal. You know, it's your Aggie t-shirt, like, okay? Like, it's not that big of a deal. What's, What's the significance of cutting off a corner of the robe? Well, the robe was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of his kingship. And so what David was doing is going up and saying, I am, I am showing the illegitimacy of your kingship. I am opposing you. And at that moment, something significant happens. David, who had taken the step down the road to say, I've got a group of people. We disagree with this person. I'm going to go and cut off a corner of his robe. At that moment... David's heart struck him. And we see David take a radical turn. You see, David didn't continue to go down this road to say, I'm going to oppose this leadership. He did something significant. He he took a major turn in his life, and he turned to engage in a radical submission. Now, let me tell you this. The solution to your frustration with all of leadership is this. Submission. The solution that God has to every one of your frustrations with leadership is one solution, and it's submission. Kevin, I hate this sermon. I don't like that at all. Hey, I don't like it either. The solution to every one of your frustrations with leadership is what's, what we will call radical submission, and watch it play out. Watch it play out. Stick with me on this, because... It, because there'll be some turns at the end that will be helpful. But God's solution is radical submission. Verse 5. And afterward, David's heart struck him, because he had cut off the corner of, of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing against my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. You know the first thing that David did? is that he saw that all authority is ultimately given by God. All authority, the whole structure of authority in life has been given by God. It started with parents, right? Adam and Eve were the first two people, and instead of just creating bunches of people like God did with all of the animals and all the fish and all the birds, you know what God did? He set up the family unit. And he said that from the family unit, one man and one woman, we will set up the authority of the parental structures, And soon later in Genesis, you get the first government being established after the time of Noah. You see, authority was established by God. And and David in this moment says, by cutting this robe, I'm going against God's design of leadership and authority. But it was a small offense, right? I mean, it it was minimal. He could have killed him, but this was minimal. But I'll tell you what, even a small offense, David let cut him to the heart. What small offenses do you have against leadership? It's, it's the small comment, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. 
when you're asked to do something. It's, it's when I don't give my full support. It's when that prof is talking and I'm texting. It's when you're working on something else during a meeting that's important. It's those small moments where you just disengage that you're saying, you know what, I don't really support this leadership. And God's saying, look, I want you to just listen to my conviction. All authority is given by God. Kevin, I don't know if I believe that. Well, let's go to Romans. Romans 13.1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. Let that verse sink in. There's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Every authority you walk into in life is, is they're not all nice authorities. But authority itself has been established by God. And authorities are placed by God. And Peter says it this way in 1 Peter. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to emperor as supreme. Now keep in mind, when Peter's writing this, Peter will be later crucified upside down for submitting his life to the emperor at that time. It's, it's a rough go. They were killing Christians during this time. As to emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent to, by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He says, I want you to live a life in submission to the governing authorities. I want you to see them as sent by God. They may not be nice. They may not be right. You may disagree with them wholeheartedly, but you submit to their leadership. And one of the verse that, honestly, I just dislike is from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are, say this word for me, unreasonable. Oh, even to the ones that are unreasonable. For this finds favor. For if for the conscience, sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Oh, man. Even to the authority that seems unreasonable that you would submit your life. And let me tell you with this. In the military, it says this. You don't salute um, the person. You salute the position. You submit yourself to that person even when you fundamentally disagree with that person. I'll tell you this. You submit for that season. Okay? You submit for that season. That means as long as you're part of that organization, as long as you're part of that position, as long as you're choosing to work or be in that organization, that means for that season, you are going to submit. And so for, for David, it meant for this season, I'm going to submit my life to God's anointed, to the Lord's king, who was literally trying to kill him. The second thing we see David do is this, is that he leveraged his influence to support Saul. Verse 7, it says it this way. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. You know the second thing that David did? This is so significant. Not only did David say, I'm not going to strike the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to speak bad against him. I'm not going to take him down. Not only am I not going to, I'm going to leverage my influence so that no one else can attack him either. You know what David could have done? Is he could have been passive, right? 
I think one way that we can oppose authority is directly by speaking against them. I think the second way we can oppose authority is by passively just letting things happen. The best illustration of this I could ever find was in the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. So what happens? Young Tobey Maguire gets these spidey powers, and he decides, I'm going to make a little cash on the skills. And so he goes uh, and decides to be uh, participating in this wrestling deal, like this kind of underground wrestling thing where the wrestlers get paid for fighting. So he's fighting this other guy. He takes him down easily, and he's expected to get paid. And he goes to the owner of the little underground wrestling deal and says, hey, I'm expecting my money. And he only gives him a little bit of his money. And he goes, he goes what are you talking about? Like, this, this is unjust. Like, you need to pay me more. And he goes, besides, my medical bills are piling up. I need to help my family. And the owner looks at him and goes, since when is that my problem? He takes a little bit of money and he walks out. And as he's walking by, suddenly another person runs into the office and holds up the owner at gunpoint and takes all the owner's money and runs out. And the owner's running after him going, hey, why don't you stop him? You could have stopped him easily. He looks at the owner and goes, since when is this my problem? And in that moment, everyone in the movie theater is like, oh, Toby. You, you Spider-Man him, boom, boom. Like, you know, what goes around comes around. You know, you need to be better. And so like everyone in that moment is like, oh, you got what you deserved until he walks out. And the same man that had just robbed the owner killed his grandfather. In that moment, everyone in the audience is going like, oh, Toby, you should have done something, man. You should have, you should have been passive, man. You should have been, you know, you should have helped out, right? And that moment you see clearly my passivity let something terrible happen. Choosing to be passive, not leveraging my influence for what was right and what was good, actually let something else bad happen. Clay Scroggins in a book called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge writes this. When I'm handed a decision that I think is dumb or wrong, less than best, my default is to sit back and throw my hands up. I think since this is clearly not going to work, I'll just sit back and let them see how bad it goes and see how what bad of a deal it really is. If they wanted this to work, they wouldn't have invited me to the meeting. I wouldn't be given uh, them an, an idea that wouldn't be, would have been even greater. Instead, I'll just sit back and watch this train wreck happen. Is that you? That's typically me. Hey, if they would have wanted my advice, I would have given it to them. But instead, I'll just sit back and watch this train wreck happen. And that passivity with your influence means that you'll never actually lead like you're in charge. It means you're choosing to be passive. And I'll tell you what, you may not ever have a leadership position, but you do have influence. And there's guys and girls around you, men and women around you, that will listen to you. And what David said is, look, I'm not only going to stop myself from hurting this authority, I'm going to make sure that no one else steps in to take this guy down. It's easy to sit back passively. But David says this, instead of opposing authority, I'm going to submit to authority. And I'm going to leverage my influence. I'm going to reject passivity. And number three, this is really big, he's going to lay down his desires. He's going to choose to take on humility. Look verse eight. After David rose and went out of the cave, And called after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down to his face on the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, 
Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks to do you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And someone told me to try to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my heart. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But I, but my hand shall not be against you. And that's amazing. He bowed and paid homage, exposing his neck. Easy for a kill blow. He bowed before this authority that was trying to kill him and says, look, you've been listening to the wrong people. You've been hearing the wrong things. I am going to support you even at the cost of my life. And you know what? I'm going to put my life in the Lord's hands. I'm going to choose humility instead of opposing you. I'm going to choose to humble myself and lay down my desires. Gosh, that's bold. And it's beautiful. I remember um, I was working here several years ago, and I had a major disagreement with the, with the guy right above me. Just fundamentally, I was just disagreeing with him. And I was really frustrated with him. And I, I was like, I, I don't think this is going the right direction. I really think this is the way that, we're, that it needs to go. And I was extremely personally frustrated. And I remember going and just praying, Lord, what do you want me to do in this moment? Do I need to continue to work here? Do I need to look for some other options? What do you want me to do? I remember reading this passage, and a passage we're going to look at later in 1 Peter, where it says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You humble yourself under this authority, and you serve them even if it hurts, even if you disagree. You're like, okay, Kevin, (laughs) I hear what you're saying. The solution to opposing authority is to submit my desires, to submit my will, but Kevin, to be honest, the authority that I'm thinking about is unhealthy. I mean, really unhealthy. The authority that I'm thinking about, I mean, it's, it's honestly just dangerous to even be around them. Maybe it's an abusive person. Maybe it's a person that just, that's, that's really just unsafe to be around. Kevin, what do I do with that person? Well, the last piece I would give you is, is what David does as well. David doesn't go home with Saul to continue to be in that environment where he's trying to kill him every day. He lets there be a safe distance. Jump all the way down to verse 22. Saul has this amazing repentant response. And David swore to Saul. He says, I'm not going to be against you. Then Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. David said, I'm going to support you. I will be underneath you. I will not oppose you. But I'm also going to let there be a safe distance between us. Sometimes in submitting to the authority that you are under, is, it's too bad to stay there. So you submit for that season. You do not speak poorly against them. But there may be a moment when you say, I, for the health of myself, I need to maintain a safe distance. And that's what David did. I'm not going to oppose you. My hand will not be against you. 
but I will keep a safe distance. So I want you to run through a couple of ideas of what it means to keep a safe distance from someone. What do we not do? A couple things. We don't tear down the other leader from a distance. We don't build our own kingdom to counter their kingdom from a distance. Well, their organization is terrible. I'll go start my own and we'll be so much better. That's not keeping a safe distance. It means we don't plan and seek revenge from a distance. It means we allow space and we don't oppose them. We keep safe distance. What does it mean? It means we support them from a distance. David, he'll continue fighting for the kingdom and establishing the kingdom, winning battles on Saul's account through these next years. It means he protected Saul's interest. Saul in this moment is going to say, you are going to be king and you're going to rule. And he says this, please don't cut off my offspring. You know what David's going to do? Saul is going to die um, by taking his own life in suicide. Jonathan's going to be killed in battle. In one of these battles, Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, is going to be dropped and paralyzed for the rest of his life. When David establishes his kingship, you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, go find Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson. And he's going to care for Mephibosheth. He's going to love Mephibosheth. And he's going to eat at the king's table for the rest of Mephibosheth's life. He says, I'm going to protect your interests. I'm going to care for your offspring. It's absolutely beautiful. And the last thing that we see is David is going to entrust himself to God. He says, the Lord will avenge me. The Lord will lead my life. I can submit to you because I know at the end of the day, the Lord has my back. The Lord is leading this thing. All authority is given by him. So I'm not going to oppose you. I'm going to keep a safe distance from you and I will continue to serve the Lord in this season. One passage that sums all of this up for me so well and it's been so helpful in my life is from 1 Peter 5. And really, it sums up the whole thing. It says this, Likewise, you who are younger, it's you, it's you, be subject to the elders. Uh Elders, elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When's it going to end, Kevin? When's it going to end? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This verse, this passage has gotten me through so many challenges with authority, has gotten through so many issues. Young men, you're not young anymore, Kevin, fine, me. Submit yourself to the elders. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast all your anxiety. Hey, this is what I'm frustrated about. This is what I'm angry about. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. And at the right time, God will exalt you. That's what David did. He didn't oppose God. He didn't oppose God's man. He says, I'm going to live in submission, even if it hurts. And I'm going to trust my life to you. And pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I know that submitting to leadership is so challenging. 
And if we went around the room, we would have all of these stories, all of these moments of this unjust person that was above us, that was really leading in the wrong direction. I pray that we can be honest, that this is where I'm struggling. This is the challenge that I'm having. We could cast all of those anxieties, all of those frustrations on God because he cares for us. But that we would be men and women who see authority as God-given. That we would leverage our influence to support leaders, not tear down leaders. That we would humble ourselves under you because you are leading us well. And Lord, by your grace, we would keep a safe distance from unhealthy, destructive leaders by your grace. And we wouldn't tear them down, but we would support from a distance. And Lord, this is not easy. It is very difficult. So the only way we can do it is by the power of your spirit that came in your son. And Lord, we know that your son was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He purchased for us life and empowers us to live new life. So I pray that we would submit our lives to him and every other authority you've put by your grace. We love you. I lift up the discussion to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Turn to your tables and have some really good discussion.